Jackie Miller, host of Out of Crazy Town, your guide to divorcing a narcissist. If you were trying to co-parent with a narcissistic ex, you know that it is nearly impossible. I have the wonderful Phoenix Gold on this episode who is an expert on narcissism and healing from narcissistic abuse. We talk about the strategies around parallel parenting and why it is usually the only kind of parenting that can be done in these situations. Phoenix explains narcissistic fuel and how you can protect yourself from being the source of fuel for your narcissistic ex. Hello, Phoenix Gold. Thank you for being a guest on Out of Crazy Town, your guide to divorcing a narcissist. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm really thrilled to be here too. This is great. We are going to talk about parallel parenting today. I know I'm five years out in my divorce and it's the only format <laughs> that will work for me. And so I'm really glad you're going to bring your expertise this podcast yes. today. Thank you. I'm, I'm so excited to talk about it. It's so important. It's so important. And I want to give people a little bit more background about you um, because you have 30 years of experience in your own healing journey and you help your clients develop a core that can't be shaken by circumstances. I love that statement. You specialize in facilitating healing for women traumatized by narcissistic encounters. Pardon me. You have developed the core healing technique to provide your clients with profoundly transformative experiences. That is all just fantastic. That is our audience. A lot of narcissistic abuse and, and trauma that's occurred in the lives of our listeners. And so this is a perfect, perfect audience for this. Wonderful. Okay. So little, little background too. You live in Canada. Well, actually at the moment I live in Mexico, but I'm oh. going back to Canada. Yes. I, I, I lived in Canada for 25 years. Okay. And then my family and I just, we took everything and we moved to Mexico a year and a half ago and uh, lived here. And, and now we're just on our way back to Canada. Okay. And so, and it's Alberta, is that correct? Yes. Okay. So you're going to laugh and I'm going to offend my listeners here because I'm going to throw all of us Americans under the bus with me too. So just so everyone understands geography, because we are America centric and especially if you're in California, we can't even name other states in the United States, let alone other people's provinces. So I love that you're in Mexico because here's my, here's my analogy. I'm from Washington state and when up near the border of Canada. So British Columbia is their province, AKA state, that's sort of like California because it's Southern border, borders United States, like California's border, borders Mexico. Next door to that is Alberta. Next door to, in, in the US, Arizona is kind of our Alberta that's next door and borders Mexico. So if everyone can just visualize, that's where Alberta is. <laughs> <laughs> because I love we it. Are, we're clueless. We can't do anything but speak English and we have no idea about anything else besides the state we live in. So sorry, you guys, I'm probably <laughs> going to get a lot of hate mail for that. But <laughs> So that's where Alberta Canada is. Okay, let's get on with our topic. So mm. parallel parenting. Why don't we just start out, uh, I, it, just in case people aren't really clear on what it is, would you just talk us through what parallel parenting is maybe uh, compared to co-parenting? Yes, yes, yes. So co-parenting is kind of what we all wish for. Right, that's what we envision when we break up with someone. Uh, Co-parenting is the idea of we'll still be the parents, both really responsible for our children. We still will do our best to make things easy for the child and for each other. We're going to be respectful. We'll talk about everything. 
and we'll make decisions together. And so I will accommodate you and you will accommodate me and it's going to be a beautiful flow back and forth. <laughs> that is the idea of co-parenting. Awesome. Right? Yes. Which, of course, is, is a little bit of a challenge when we are dealing with a narcissist or a, a rather huge challenge. Yeah. And so parallel part parenting is the idea of he or she does their thing. I do my thing. There is not going to be any much communication besides when do you pick the child up and drop it off and when do I, but there won't be a flow. There won't be a trying to figure things out together. There won't be respect uh, flowing both ways. There won't be a working things out or working around things. It's basically parallel parenting is like a two-way highway. I go this lane, you go that lane. Got it. <laughs> you yeah. go wherever you want. I go wherever I want. Yes, and co-parenting yes. would be traveling on the same road together for the sake of the child. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, and the interesting thing about this, I often have professionals like attorneys or judges, and, and I know that many of them think that we all just can't get along and we're just, mm -hmm. you know, we can't just put our differences aside. But the important thing about parallel parenting is because, as you said, we all wish for co-parenting. That would be amazing. That would make my life easier. Great if if you backed me up on on what my rules are and I backed you up on what your rules are. You know, we all had a common goal for our children. However, we only do parallel parenting, I feel like, when we're forced into a situation that we have to protect ourselves. Yes. And it no becomes it. it becomes the lesser of the evils. So my child's actually going to suffer more if I co-parent with you because the level of manipulation and strife and conflict that happens when I open myself up to this other person. Would you agree exactly. with that statement? Oh, absolutely. It's 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 not even the lesser of the evil. It's like there's no other way. Yeah. It just isn't. There is no choice. I mean, you know, we've all tried. We've tried. We've tried co-parenting. It's just not possible with a narcissist, no matter, no matter how hard we try. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I have a really specific example I wanted to bring up because I was in a scenario where I was sitting next to a father who had been divorced for five, six, seven years. And his ex-wife called and said, hey, teenage daughter turned her location services off. And I think she's at a party and she knows that's a big no-no. She's not answering me. Would you look up your location? And then could you text her? And, oh my gosh, yes, you're absolutely right. That is not okay. I'm so glad you called me. Looks up where the daughter is. Oh, sure enough, she's at so-and-so's party. They both text her. Team effort to come together to make sure daughter's safe and following rules. And, and I watched this and I was like, wow. Because in scenarios I see with narcissists, it is, oh, so you don't know where our child is? Oh, so you're allowing her to X, Y, Z. All of a sudden it becomes an opportunity to attack and to create this narrative that you're a bad parent and all this stuff. And so there you go. You would like to co-parent, but when you try with a narcissist, you've now opened yourself up to just being attacked and having the truth twisted. Right. Because, you know, when we're with a narcissist or trying to co-parent or whatever we're doing, it's for the narcissist, it's never about the child. Yeah. Ever. That's why right. it can't work. It cannot work. Their priority is not the child. That's the, okay. Thank you for just bottom lining that because in the first scenario, they both have the child's, you know, their welfare in mind. In the mm -hmm. second scenario, it's, oh, I found an opportunity to put you down and make it look like I'm winning. So thank you, Oof. Profound. That's exactly what it is. 
Um, and so let's get into more details about why it's so challenging to co-parent with a narcissist. Do you have other yes. thoughts on that? Oh, yes. Um, well, you know, I think it all comes down to why the narcissist does anything they do, right? It's always a question. People, why is he doing this? Why is he not doing this? And in my experience, there really is only one answer because the narcissist does whatever they do to gain fuel. Does the audience know about fuel? Have you have you discussed? No, it no, I don't oh, know. Not, not fuel okay. as a term. No. Okay. Please. Cool. Yeah. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So a narcissist cannot produce their own energy. They need energy from other people. And the only way they get that energy from others is through others' emotional reactions. And that is the only goal they have in life ever. Anything they ever do or anything they will not do is only because it provides them with fuel. I have the chills. With an okay. Yeah, this is so <laughs> this is so hitting home. Okay. Okay. Because they want an emotional reaction from the other person, which is why co-parenting is impossible because they will not do anything for your child. They will not do anything for you. They will only be focused on what is going to give me the biggest fuel, the biggest amount of fuel, the biggest emotional reaction from either the child or their partner. And so if that's your only focus in life, and you don't have any empathy, nor any feelings of love for anyone, then that's, of course, very easy to do because they see us like, like an appliance, like a toaster. And they see our children also like, like an appliance, a toaster or a washing machine, a tool to be used to extract fuel. So they will have no qualms about getting you to react in any which way. And so they will not think about what is reasonable, what will serve here. All they think is what will give me the biggest amount of fuel. Is it, you know, to provoke feelings of empathy or guilt or fear or confusion or outrage, which is why they love to create dra uh, drama, right? Drama gives them a hell of a lot of fuel. And so everything they only, the only thing they ever want is fuel. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that is why it is so challenging. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've described it sometimes in a similar thread as oxygen. I will, you know, when I'm helping clients communicate the way you described it is so much better because it makes so much sense. That is why they will flat out take something they did and project it onto you because anybody's reaction is like, I didn't do that. You did that. You know, and they're like, they're like, gotcha. You're right. And so they pick the most outrageous claims, the most backwards, twisted things to, to communicate to you because they're so outlandish and so ridiculous and so not true, your reaction is going to be over the top and bing, they just exactly. got filled up with fuel. I love it. So new scenario, you know, where the daughter is missing, they go like, ooh, fuel. She's desperate because she doesn't know where the daughter is. So I could go many ways. I could either blame her. That's going to get her outraged. Or I could delay giving her the information that's going to make her more antsy or, or I yeah. could instill fear, you know, whatever it is, like make it worse than this. Oh my God, what if she's with a guy or she's taking drugs or whatever, right? Whatever it is. So in a situation, any situation that the narc encounters, their first question is, how am I going to get the most fuel out of this? I love this. Okay. So, so listeners, please always keep this in mind. It is really will help you so much when you're communicating with them because I love also too that you kind of stop for a second and look at all the ways they could go with it because even though we can't control them and we don't want to be consumed with controlling them and trying to predict their every move, it can be valuable to kind of take a second because you do know them well. 
And which angle are they going to go with this? And it helps also because this podcast is largely with people divorcing narcissists, kind of helps with negotiations. It helps with, you know, strategies. So it's super important. Like they're sitting back going, hmm, like you said, do I want to pick fear? Do I want to pick blame? Do I want to pick shame? Hmm, where do I want to go with this opportunity? (laughs) This is so profound. (laughs) So what kind of behavior can we expect from them during parallel parenting then? Right. Well, you know, the first thing is triangulation. I don't know if you've spoken about triangulation is where, you know, you have three people involved now. It's the two parents and the child, or maybe, you know, two children, three children, doesn't matter, but all the children will be sort of under this one entity of child. Okay. And what you can expect is that they will want to form a bond with the child against you. And that also leads to where they really, really want to end up for the child to hate you. And so the two of them will build that team as a triangulation, right? It's like two against the one. So this is what they're going to go for. Uh, another thing is in terms of how they're going to try and achieve that is through love bombing the child. So they will try and establish a competition as to who is the better parent, who spoils them more, who gives them everything and the other doesn't. Again, to create the the triangulation. In in all of that, again, what they're looking for is fuel. They're looking for fuel again from you and from the child. In this case, at first, from the child through adoration and throwing love back because now they're getting all their dreams coming true. And also through being in your way. They're trying sabotage. So what what you can expect is sabotage on every level because one, they want to pay you back for actually going through with the divorce or for not begging to come back or for refusing to give them fuel any longer. And so they will try to make everything hard for you again, so that they can frustrate you and get more fuel in that way. I would say those are the biggest ones that we can expect. You know, I do also have this conversation often because it's so easy for me to see now. And then when I watch others going through this, when they start to realize that all of their behaviors are directed at you. If they over the top do something for the child, that's actually about you. If they don't do something for the kids and and, and the kids are suffering, that's about you. And in that realization is so painful. And a lot of clients will ask me, does it ever end? Like, do I ever stop being the target? It there is something about being the mother of the children and having been married to them for X amount of years that like forever puts you in the hot seat. But with that being said, what you are describing is so important because we have to find ways to cut the fuel off, correct? Yes, because here's the thing. They, they, they will not do anything unless it gives them fuel. They will only try the same thing so many times. If it doesn't give them any fuel, they need to stop and find a different way. I mean, that's the other thing. They're incredibly creative, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One way of getting fuel isn't working. They're very willing to switch because it really matters not to them what they do. But yes, and this is really hard because we're relating to our children when they are with us and not with an arc. And the narcissist uses the child to tell them all the kinds of things that have happened and your reactions to something the child said about dad. <clears throat> So they become the little middleman, which is actually really, really hard for the child, um, incredibly stressful. But yes, they have they have an influence on our on your life still to a very large degree, even though they might not be there. Even if we cut 
that connection off with them, they still have that connection to us through the child and they still get a hell of a lot of fuel out of uh, our reactions, even if they weren't there themselves. Even if the child talks about mom was frustrated because da 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 da, da or she doesn't agree with what dad said or you know, whatever it might be. So it becomes, it's, it's really hard. It's yeah. very, it's a subtle way of them being in our lives in a big way. Like they're right. still there in a huge way, even though we can't quite sense it and feel it. Sure. And I think that's why I feel it's so important to stress to anyone listening or just has been through this to get the support you need so that you can sort of maintain that calm and controlled reactions, even in front of your children so that they stop being the fuel. You have to yes. be careful around your own children because even dad or narcissist is going to probe them from information and try to get the fuel right out of them. And so to have someone that you're going to, to talk to and to release all that so that you can go back with the, with the poker face, basically be a support for your child, parent them in the way you want to parent them, be positive, be loving with them, but not give them any ammo. So the, 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 the narcissistic parent isn't trying to squeeze fuel out of them all the time. Yes, right. Because that is also very difficult for the child. So in order to protect our children, we have to learn a different way of being around them to where, you know, all topics uh, around dad and narcissism can still be there, but they have to be there in a very different way now. We can't event. We can't get frustrated about the narcissist in front of the child because in the end, I mean, who cares whether the narcissist is fueled in the end or not, but if the child telling them makes the child more of a tool, the narcissist will want to use them more as a tool which creates more stress for them. So it's kind of like, you know, since we want to protect the children, most of all, that's it. we've got to learn a different way of being with a child so that we can still have open and honest conversations, but in a way that won't, as the child relays it to dad, it won't be fuel. So he will stop using the child. Right. Okay. So I have another example because <laughs> this can be so painful, especially in the beginning and when they're trying to get fuel. Anyway, I think that this story will also sort of illustrate what they're doing. So I know of a scenario where a daughter was turning 16. She was with mom during that, that birthday time. And they, mom was trying to figure out something special to do for her. And then at the 11th hour says, oh, dad and new girlfriend are throwing me a huge party. They want me to invite 30 friends. They've already ordered the cake. They're going to, here's the theme. And mom is crushed and is like, you know, this was going to be my special day with her. And so the choice became in that moment for mom to sort of, you know, visibly be upset or at least just even emotional or, or disappointed. Let's just even just go with disappointed or to say, oh my gosh, I think that's great. Have a great time. Is there a way I can help? And the second option may seem unfair, may seem, but but don't I need to draw a boundary that dad can't do this? This is my parenting time. This is my day I had. But if you think about it and you have to sometimes get creative with, you know what, I'll pick a next weekend where I have time with her, where we go do something special. If if the narcissist gets wind that they really upset you and they really disappointed you and a narcissist knows that when they've set you up for that. And so sometimes taking the high road is also depriving them of the fuel they're so desperately looking for. Yeah. Yes. And, and, you know, I think 
that option, you know, the, the choice becomes clearer when we think about the child, right? Whenever we refocus on the child and we think, okay, what is best for my child? Then it becomes obvious that, oh my God, this is probably a big dream of hers. Of course, she'll love this. And also the relationship you have with the child needs to stay strong because the narcissist is trying everything to ruin that relationship. But often they succeed, right? And so if we're thinking, wow, she will, she will resent me forever if I say no. It's probably the truth because, or she'll at least think about it, right? Because, yeah. I mean, what an opportunity. And so I think often in those situations when we don't know which to choose and what to do, if we refocus on the child and, and say, okay, what, what's the best for my child here? Yeah. That can actually really help us make the right choice free from, you know, resentment. You know, we make choices from resentment and we probably pick number two. It's like, no, this is my parenting time, which would be your right. I mean, yeah. It is your right. And a normal parent wouldn't throw a party at the 11th, at the 11th hour. They wouldn't do that. Right. And so, yes, we are right. This is not right. What the dad is doing. And it's unfair. It is completely unfair. And when we focus on the child and say, okay, what's best for the child here? It can help us to make the right decision because the narcissist will never do that. Right. They will right. never make the decision that is right for the child. And this is another way where we can win in yeah. the long run where, you know, when, when as children grow older and they review their past and they see what's going on more and more and more. And they realize, hey, that must have been really hard for mom because she had this planned. But she chose, she chose me. She chose this for me. She chose what was best for me. And if I think about it, that actually never does. You know, eventually it'll sink in. Eventually they will see that, hey, mom was always focused on my well-being. In the end, I believe it will pay off. In the end, they will see who really cared. I agree. You're very much right. You have to keep in mind the long game. It's the long game. Yeah. It will pan out. You, They will understand eventually that you were constantly keeping their needs and best interest at heart. I try to point out in this scenario, when I was talking with this woman, just to write all the long-term benefits child comes back to you because you didn't react negatively. They constantly feel open with you. They feel like they can talk with you. You kind of get more information and more insight into what's going on with them because they don't close off because they mm -hmm. didn't ever get a negative reaction around you. Um, so there are so many benefits and you're right. Whenever a lot of emotion comes into something that the narcissist is doing to you, if you just stop and say, what would be the best for my child. A really giant 16th birthday party would be pretty cool. Let her have it. Let her have it. And it's going to, it is going to pay off in the long run. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Because if you didn't say yes in that moment, imagine what the dad would then say, right? I can't believe it. This was for you. I've had all this planned. It would have been fantastic. And they paint a picture that's even a hundred times bigger than what it really would have been. You know, and how could your mom, she doesn't care about you. She just cares. About, I mean, we can imagine yes. all the things they would say, right? And by sending her to the birthday party, um, you're cutting all of that out. Right, right. And I think that's the term, the turmoil and the conflict it, when it, you're dealing with the narcissist in these parenting situations, because it always feels like they're winning. They're, they're always setting me up. And then I'm always set up to look like the bad guy. But back to your point, don't worry. In the long run, these are actually opportunities. For your child to look back and see that you always put them first. So just remember, whenever it does feel like a setup and you're being forced to, you know, put in a corner and forced to choose, it does pay off. I agree. Are there any other traps that 
you feel like you can avoid falling into. Yes, because the trap is, the trap is that when we're parenting with a narcissist, that we want them to understand what we want for the child. You know, the trap is, if I communicate my point well enough, he's got to understand. He's got to see reason. And so with that, I can, I can see you smile and nod. Oh, yes. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we just want to rationalize with them so bad. <laughs> just, yes. Yes. I, this time, this time I'll be able to help them understand. Right, <laughs> right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we, we see that obviously this is logical and it's got to be logical for everyone. And we keep, we keep forgetting that that the narcissist is not a logical being in the same way. They're not, they're not interested in that logic. The only logic they're following is a logic of fuel, right? And so the, the huge trap is to let them know what you want. You know, I want to be this parent. I want to create this for the child. And I really, you know, I want, I want her to be able to go to this place, whatever. So because we, we need to know that whatever we communicate with a narcissist that we want or dream for, wish for, hope for, they will do the opposite. They will guarantee do the opposite unless, unless they see a bigger payoff of fuel later on for following through once or twice. So, you know, they can also play the long game. A little bit, not sure. as much as we can, but so there, there is that trap of trying to communicate our wishes and dreams and trying again and again. And we have to realize that um, they're not interested in helping and creating anything. They are only interested in creating uh, drama and chaos because that gives them the most fuel. So that's a big trap that we fall in, especially at the very beginning, right? Because we still believe that this might be possible. Now that we're separated and they are free to go their own way, maybe they'll, you know, focus on the child more, whatever, but it's not, well, it's not, it's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. So don't tell I, them what you want. I agree with that. And so not only is it hard in the beginning, but that sometimes like years go by and you've kind of gotten settled and you've got your parallel parenting going or whatever. And then some unusual situation comes up and enough time has passed that we kind of have selective memory and we think, oh, in this new scenario, it's been years, things have been going fairly well. I can have this kind of conversation with them. Nope. I mean, I have, I won't go into it, but I have two examples recently with women where it was like five years out in one and 10 years out in the other. And they fell into the trap of going, I can rationalize with them. They'll understand why we should do it X instead of Y in both times. Whack. They got just slammed with some reality of like, nope, you are still dealing with the same person you were years ago. No change. Yes. Yes. The, yeah. The other trap um, might be, you know, because there's this game going on as to who's the better parent, right? Not instigated by us, but definitely instigated by the narcissist. And it becomes very apparent that this is going on because oftentimes, you know, younger kids will say, well, daddy lets me do this. Why don't you let me do this? Right. And so there is that there could be the trap of competing with with a narcissist, especially when the child is love bombed. There is all of a sudden, oh my God, he just bought her a new bike, and well now he's inviting her on a on a on a vacation, and she just got a new PC. Oh my God, you know she's not. How am I going to keep up? <laughs> um, and so here I think what we need to understand is that 
yes, at first the kid is going to gobble it up because, you know, they feel like a prince or a princess. All of a sudden, all their dreams come true. Who's not who's not going to love that? Yeah. Of course, they're going to love that. There's one thing where, where, where the narcissist can't compete with us. And this is giving the child what they really need, which is empathy, love, understanding, real support, knowing them, curiosity about their life and safety and um, stability. The narcissist cannot provide any of these things. And so this is where I think we need to really honker down and say, right, there's the bike. Dang, I can't afford another bike. <laughs> no, I can't afford this. And, and, and there will be that beginning time maybe where we really feel that the child is drawn to, to the narcissist because it's just heaven right now. But again, if we focus on the child, this is always helpful in, in parenting with a narcissist. If we always keep asking, what does the child need? What does the child need? What does the child need? Forget about the narcissist. They're going to do yeah. their thing. Yeah. What does the child need? It centers us or it takes our focus away from the narcissist, which is great because it's been there for so long and they keep it there if they could. But if you always go back to the child, what's important to the child? It's stability. It's safety. It's the feeling that they can talk with me about any Thing. it's it's knowing that they can be emotional and that they can express their emotions and that I will be here to guide them you know giving them that that is something where the narcissist will never be able to even give an ounce they can't they don't know how they don't even know what it is and so if we can avoid the trap of trying to compete with the narcissist on their level which is all superficial and we go to the core and give the child what it needs at the core then, um, you know, then we won't get so stuck with, I can't afford that. Of course we can't because, you know, usually they have made sure that, they've, that they're swimming in money or they find ways of getting money to do their love bonding. Yes, if we can, if we can drill down on, okay, I'm just going to be here. I'm going to be the beer, not the doer and the, you know, the gift giver. I'm going to be the giving me my time, my attention. Um, that's really all the child needs. And in the end, when they gotten tired of the new bike and the new monitor and the candy, you know, that's what they want. And they will realize they can't get that from that. They can't. Nope. You're absolutely right. And sometimes I just have to tell women when I have conversations, like you just have to trust me. You just have to trust Phoenix. I have watched it played out in multiple scenarios where trips to Europe and shopping sprees are super cool for a little while, but movies on the couch, cuddling, staying up till midnight, helping them study for a test, listening, just listening when they're talking about friends, asking questions, just basic stuff wins every time. And again, I know I, I hate to use the word win, but I just want you to know, like your relationship is going to be so much more valuable than trips and shopping sprees. It, it may take, they're teenagers, like you said, of course they want to go on a shopping spree. But no, at the end of the day, they're going to come to the parent that they feel safest with and the one they've been able to confide in and the one during hard times, whether it's studying for a test or they or a girl was mean to them at school or whatever, that's the parent they're going to turn to in the end. Yes, because they just want to be themselves, right? They want to be allowed to be themselves. And the narcissist will never allow that. Yeah. Because sure. that's out of control, right? They will not allow them that. There will be demands, high demands. There'll be a big price to pay for that bike or for that trip. And the child will pick up on it. They will sense it. There's a huge price to pay for all that stuff, which is adoration, attention constantly. And, and with mom, they can relax, you know, They're, they can be themselves. There is no 
there's no bargain with mom. They don't have to bargain. They just get to be, they don't have to give something to get something. Yeah. And that is something I, I hear a lot is that during the teenage years, while maybe they're being wooed by, you know, superficial material things, they do become sort of aware that, wow, every conversation I'm realizing is always about the narcissistic parent. I'm realizing they contradict themselves. And so they are smart. You can just smile and nod. You don't have to say anything bad, but you, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, they will start to notice. And if you're really listening and their intuition is there. And if I think anything, one of the most powerful things you can do with your children is just foster their intuition and, and trust mm. that especially with a narcissist, right? Because they undermine that. Yeah, yeah. And if they can undermine that, then they've got a lot more manipulation power. So yes, exactly. If we can facilitate our children's intuition more, the more they will be resilient towards the narcissist. Yeah, yeah. I, and I just did a podcast about gaslighting, and mm -hmm. which is obviously one of their major tools. And gaslighting squelches your intuition, they need you that your intuition to stop. They need you to stop using it to keep getting away with the manipulation, like you said. And so, yeah, I think that any way, shape or form you can foster your children's intuition. Like, how did you feel about that? Well, what did you, what did your gut say? And, you know, did that sound right to you? It's one thing with my children, we talk about your gut and what you feel all the time. Who cares if you're wrong? Follow your intuition because you're probably not. And so I, you know, there are lots of examples I can give, but I think that that's really a big gift we can give our children. I love that. And it makes me think that, you know, even though this is such a terrible situation, it will also spark developments that we would never have otherwise supported in such a way. Like you were saying, you know, because you know now how important that is, you're making an extra effort to develop that in that in your children. And they will be so able later on in their life to trust that more and more like you're giving them such a huge gift so in a sense this terrible situation is also throwing out a bunch of gems yep. if you use them the way you do right yes and you know i had a therapist say once um in a, in a group meeting and i thought oh this is so profound they said you know we're all dealt different cards in life right and and so your children's card was that one parent is you know, narcissistic. However, if we can learn how to give them the tools, think about how better off in life they're going to be in the long run. Like if they can figure out how to be aware of what's going on with a parent and how to have boundaries in this scenario, they're going to be set. So let's turn their lemons <laughs> into lemonade, right? And like use the situation to our benefit. Right. Yes. Yeah. We don't develop tools until we need them, do we? My God. Yes. Thank you. Again, so profound. All kinds of quotes I'm going to um, like put up <laughs> around my office. Since we, <laughs> we don't develop tools until we need them. And it's, uh, yeah, obviously boundaries is one of them because they, they don't like boundaries. It gets in the way of their manipulation. Yes. Big time. Yeah. Big time. So have we talked enough about weaknesses in the narcissist that we can use against your favor? Or are there any other sort of weaknesses um, when it comes to a narcissist that we, we can exploit? Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Because might as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> might as well use the, all the tools that we've got. The one thing that's good to know is that get bored easily. Yeah. And so even if they love bomb your child in the beginning, that too will get boring and they will switch to now trying to be nasty that will come. It's, it's 
as you're saying, it's a long game. We look down the road, they get bored easily. Also, I don't know how your clients feel and how you feel, but I always feel that the less a narcissist is in the, in the life of my child, the better. And so the more distance I can create, the shorter periods they can be with them, the better for the child. And so if that is your aim to shorten the time and they have insisted on 50-50, what is good to know is that Yes, in the beginning, if they don't have a supply, like if they don't have a partner, their only focus is going to be the child because that is the major amount of fuel. But as soon as they get a new partner, that will switch and the child will feel it. And that'll make them a little smarter as to what's really going on with dad. And so, or if they have supply, support that and say, hey, if you ever want to go out with them, um, you know, just let me know, you know, I'm willing to switch plans or whatever. Um, so that you have your child more than they, it's better for the child. And so as a narcissist, if, if we want to, you know, get legally the right to take care of our children for longer periods of time, that is, if this is our aim, there are some things where we can use the weaknesses of the narcissist to make this happen. Because in the beginning, of course, they want to look like the great dad and they want 50-50. Now, if we let them know that, you know, when they have the child on that weekend, on those days, we've got great plans. We're so looking forward to hanging out with our friends, da 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 da, da whatever. Is not true. We're just saying that. We're making it very important that for some reason we have that time alone. They might find a reason to drop the child off earlier or say, hey, I'm sick. You take them. And here's the thing. Always say yes. Whatever's happening in your life, whatever your plans were, scrap them. Always say yes to taking the child because one, it shows the child mom is always available. I'm always more important than anybody else. And two, now you've had the child for more days. And over time, as these things start to happen more and more, now he has a supply and he wants to hang out with the supply and asks you, can you take the child an extra day? Can you pick her up early or whatever? Yes, of course. Make a note in a book and then show the court that, hey, listen, actually, he's not having her 50-50. Let's make it 30-70 and so on. You can chop away at the time slowly that the narcissist has access to the child, which, you know, is way better for the child and ultimately is also better for ourselves. So that's one of the weaknesses. They lose that intense focus on the child. Okay. I love that because especially in the beginning when it, it's a war and they want to win, I mean, there's a couple of things at play here. One, they may want 50-50 because, well, there's only a few reasons, right? They want to pay less child support, they want to win and they just, they want to hurt you. So, and then also the radical acceptance that I also talk to clients about is that in most states or provinces and countries, 50, 50 is the norm. So unless there's these extenuating circumstances, the court doesn't care. It's, it, it can be disheartening. Something we often consider a strategy is don't put up a fight. And if you give up the fight, then they're, again, you're depriving them of their oxygen or their fuel. Then they get bored and the kid ends up at your house more often anyway. If your goal is to just get the kid in your household more often, you're right. That is your strategy, Phoenix. And that has been a strategy that works for many women. And then start building your case, like you said. So really good, really good custody strategy. I agree. Yeah, there's another one where we can exploit the weaknesses because we know they will always do the opposite of what we want. Yeah. And so here is a chance again, right? If we really want our child to be able to go on this field trip, make it appear like you're not so for it, then they will push for it more likely. 
if you exclaim that you want this for sure, then they're going to they're gonna brace against it. So if you can use that and throw in some doubt and say the opposite of what you want, then you're much more likely to get what you want than if you say what you want. If you want to go this way, they go this way, then you just reverse. <laughs> you yeah. can use that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and just to put another specific example with that, um, with a friend whose teenager recently wanted to go on this big trip, the mom thought it was a great idea and great opportunity for them and needed dad's approval. And so mom made very sure that when child approached dad, it was all about them. And there was zero mention of mom's opinion about it. Yes. Zero mention that mom was really for it. Zero mention mm -hmm. that mom thought it was a fantastic idea because as soon as dad caught wind of that, the answer is just going to be no, just to, uh, to upset mom because like right. what is in the best interest of the children. So, so the strategy was do not interject anything about mom's opinion whatsoever. Just make it about the kid. Hopefully dad says yes. And kid gets to do what they want. But no, yeah, like, like you have to really think about that, like, because the oh, opportunity for fuel, you're but right. You see that there's the good thing about that predictability, right? They are very predictable, very predictable. And that's and so, another weakness. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And there's another thing maybe that we could, where we could use their weaknesses. Usually when they want something, they go through a cycle, right? First, they will just say what they want. If we don't give it to them then usually they will go into trying to get us to be afraid of them. So they will go into a rant and a rage. Da, 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 da. If we then, you know, still don't give them what they want because of the rage, then they will go to a victim mode. Poor me, it's always, and I'm always losing out to provoke guilt. If guilt doesn't get us, then uh, they will go to trying to do something for us. You know, they will be trying to be very nice and reasonable and do something for us in the hopes that they will then get this. And if they don't get it through being nice, then they will go back to um, being really, you know, raging, rah, 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 rah. And then pity party and round and round and goes. And so if there is something that's really highly important to us that we really, really want, no matter what, and they approach us in such a cycle and we go through the cycle. We don't give them what they want. We go through the rage. We don't give in. They go through the pity party. We don't, we don't give in. When they go back to being very nice, that's where we could propose. Well, well, could you do this for me? You know, it would be very nice if da-da-da-da-da. And because they want the next step, they're more likely to say yes to that. Great strategy. This is all really awesome. I love your description of the cycle that they go through. I call it the toddler tantrum because think about a toddler, two-year-old that really wants a sucker. Please, 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 mom. And then they melt down and they kick and scream and then they get mad at you and then they please again and then they <laughs> try to do something nice for you. And it's, 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 <laughs> you're like, wow, I am really dealing with a two-year-old in a mm -hmm. adult body. It is, it's crazy, the parallels. <laughs> And, you know, there is a third thing. If we have something that the narcissist really wants, then we actually have quite a lot of manipulation power ourselves. If we don't have something they want, then there's nothing we can do but play with the cycles. And, you know. But if there's something they really, really want, I know you're dealing more with divorce. I'm trying to figure out how that applies. But if, so you can actually demand something from a narcissist if you have something that they really want, money 
or access to powerful people. If you have anything that is worth something to the narcissist that will provide them with so much fuel, uh, they will give up on other kinds of things in order to get that bigger amount of fuel. So this is another way where we can look at uh, where do I have some leverage here? And it really is, 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 that's all it is. It's all leverage. That's actually brilliant because it applies in many ways to divorce and custody battles. And I think that we do find leverage and the problem is they're afraid to use it because, right, there's a lot of fear, right? When you when yes. you've been in a relationship with a narcissist because they've used fear so often. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that's great advice because use your leverage. That's right. You know, and often we want to be so human, right? We want to be kind. We want to be reasonable. And what we forget is that we're not dealing with another human being, actually. You know, we're dealing more with someone that is like a tiger or a lion in a cage that is really, really, really dangerous. And you wouldn't go and be kind and come close and, and, and seek closeness with a dangerous animal unless there's like a definitely very thick bars between you. And so I think we might be more inclined to use that leverage if we are able to see them for who they are. And really, they're not like a regular human being. They're not. In order to be a regular, normal human being, we have to have empathy. We have to see another human being as a human being. For them, it's more like they're living in a world with, with, with cyborgs. Uh, we're just a machine. They're a god and we're the machine. And if we don't do as they wish, they will turn us upside down and rattle us to make us work again or they give us a good smack on the head. I think that when we real, we need to realize that or we won't be able to deal with them, really. The way they see us is a toaster. Yep. And yes. if I don't pop up the toast anymore, which is the fuel, they'll throw me out and get a new one. Yeah. It's a great analogy. And it reminds me of the fable of, I think it's the scorpion and the alligator. I can't remember, but scorpion's begging the alligator to take him across the pond because he can't yes. get there on his own. And I know you're going to sting me. You're a scorpion. He says, no, no, no. I promise. I promise it. Finally gives in, gets the scorpion across this pond and the scorpion stings him. And he goes, what, what the heck? You said you weren't going to sting. He said, I'm a scorpion. What do you expect? <laughs> they will sting yeah. you every time and they're going to say whatever they need to say to get across the pond and use you yeah. as the the vehicle to do it so yeah. and like you're replaceable mm -hmm. they'll just go ask mm -hmm. another alligator i love that analogy you're right and it's it's sad but we're a toaster and i think you know when i talk to women especially when they've been in marriage a long time and they're like so that was never really real and that's kind of another podcast but it's a hard realization sometimes that you were in a relationship or a marriage with someone for so long and mm -hmm. you're a toaster. It's very difficult to comprehend. Like we can't comprehend it. We were never told that these people exist. And so speaking of, there is a lot of trauma that can happen after being in a relationship or marriage with someone like this for so long. And you have awesome programs that can help people heal from this. And so I wanted you to talk to our listeners, if you would, about sort of the coaching you provide and the, and the workshops you provide. And how are you helping women in your yes. practice? Yes, I work mostly one-on-one, -on -one, but I also have workshops that I offer for people that are still in the trauma bond that want to get out of the trauma bond. I've developed a technique that usually gets people out of the trauma bond within six weeks really successfully. I've developed a technique, a healing technique that restores the core in, inside of ourselves because that is really what's been broken. You know, when we've been living with a narcissist or we grew up with a narcissist, well, when we've grown up with a narcissist, we never really get to develop a strong core of self-confidence and self-worth, right? We've been taught that 
um, love is conditional and that we're essentially not good enough to be loved just for who we are. We have to work for it. And so what I do is help women to build that core of self-confidence. In my own journey, I had a very long journey and I had no self-esteem and I had even no sense of self. I didn't even know who I was because I had grown up with a narcissist. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is work with women on establishing a sense of self. Many of us that actually end up with narcissists have had some experiences with narcissistic upbringing before. It kind of primes us. It's not everyone. If there is that lucky person that felt completely whole and ended up with a narcissist, something still gets rattled at the core because they get to that point where they really make us doubt ourselves through the gaslighting and all the abuse we've suffered. We come to question, hey, am I actually good enough? Am I actually lovable? That's what, what I start with when I work with people. So when I do that also through group coaching, I have some group coaching for people who would love to go through that experience together with other women awesome. because in that sharing a lot happens in that space we feel like we're not so alone some other people go through the same and it, so these are the three main things one-on-one -on -one group coaching sessions and then workshops specific toward breaking the trauma bond it sounds wonderful it makes so much sense to me you guys you can go to phoenixcore.ca so p-h-o-e-n-i-x-c-o-r-e.ca and find out more about Phoenix Gold and her coaching and her workshops and everything she just talked about. And again, thank you for coming on to discuss parallel parenting. There are pros and cons, but at the same time, like you said, there aren't because it's the only option. <laughs> and so <laughs> not option. Now, learning to master it and understand why you're doing it and the benefits of it. And it is probably is going to be the best for you and there for your children. But I have a Facebook group for women who want to heal from the narcissist. And if you would agree, we could post it underneath the podcast so people can find it. Yes. Uh, and my contact is in there and, and all the information that they would need. And I would lo love to offer something to your listeners. It is a meditation that I've designed. It is the first step starting to heal that core, which I call radical self-love. And I have made a free recording um, video and audio meditations for people so they can actually experience radical self-love instantly because we know we need self-love but it's really hard to know how to do it and the meditations help to get people into a space to where they actually experience self-love which is really really powerful specifically women can go to my youtube channel at, at out of crazy town and so this will be posted um you know in the video version there and anywhere else i can place those links i will as well to your facebook group and also this meditation so thank you for that i appreciate it phoenix thank you so much this was a lovely lovely conversation it was okay take care take care bye-bye